Yes, we are seeing double this uh, this week. <laughs> kind of. We'll do a twist on it, but uh, it's all about twins in horror movies. Welcome. This is the Fright Club Podcast. I'm Hope Madden. And I am George Wolf. We're from MadWolf.com. And Wolf is the odd man out this week because uh, we welcome our senior twin correspondent from the wilds of Vermont. It's uh, Hope's twin sister, Joy. Hello. Good to have you. I don't know. You think we sound a lot alike. I wonder if people will know which one of us is talking. Should one of you talk in a funny voice? <laughs> Joy, can you talk in a funny Maybe. voice? Maybe. You got any helium on hand? Suck <laughs> some helium in the, while, you, while you're talking about these movies. I think I have a slightly more nasal twang than Hope does, so I'm sure they'll figure it out. Well, plus, she's, got, she's going through the Skype feed, so it's a little, okay. you know, it's a little tunnel. All right. uh, so I think we'll be able to uh, tell them apart. But uh, this should be interesting. We'll get the actual twin perspective on these twin movies. It's our top, it's our top five, right? Yeah. Top five twin horror and uh, some of them, maybe you can probably guess, but some I don't think so. Uh, but before we do that, we've got to go back we, because we got some great feedback last week about our uh, werewolf countdown. That's right. A lot of happy birthdays to George. Thank you for that. Appreciate it, <laughs> as always. But uh, it was not what we expected because we, we talked about last week expecting to get a lot of darts for leaving out the howling. And we really didn't. Maybe one. Yeah, uh, I, uh, yeah, I was really surprised. The one that people people were really unhappy that even though we mentioned late phases, which is a fairly relatively new film, that it didn't actually make the list. Yeah, late phases has some fans. You're not one of them, no, and that's okay. Yeah. You know, everybody uh, sees it differently. But uh, the one that I we have to just cry guilty is that we we somehow forgot Brotherhood of the Wolf. Yes, and with one of our all time favorites, Vincent Cassell. Yes, we love him. But we just saw in Partisan uh, the other night, which oh, is yeah, his latest, it's really which is cool. Good. Not really Really horror movie, but a little creepy, a little thriller, uh, pretty good. But I'd like to say that we left that out on purpose so we could get the uh, the feedback. But, but no, we just totally we missed did, it. But yeah. we just totally and missed we got, it. We got we got busted by Sean. I love his tag at Colossal Bandit. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I love their first album. After that, Colossal Bandit totally lost me. But no, um, yeah. And w- what did he bust us on? Yeah, the Brotherhood of the Wolf. He was yeah. the one who said, I can't believe it's not on there. Yeah, and I, I can't believe it either. I don't French know what, film at its weirdest, he said, which is so true. Yeah, what it was, I think we were just drunk from the birthday party. <laughs> That's going to be my alibi. But no, that is a cool one. I remember seeing that. That is, that is a cool one. It is. So thank you for all the, uh, all the feedback for that as well. We love getting that feedback, even when you point out that we were asleep at the switch, <laughs> as we were. But that we hope we are not going to be... This week, as we talk about the uh, the top twins in horror movie. But, but you know what? We want to take a second. You want to yeah. take a second talk about the new one we just saw? Yeah, we have to. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Because the, the new uh, horror movie out this week is uh, Eli Roth's The Green Inferno. And it's funny, it's Eli Roth, because just... I guess it was because we were waiting on this movie. But just a couple of weeks ago, uh, I got into... joined a little discussion uh, online on Facebook, on the Columbus Facebook page. Just somebody threw out there, what do you think of Eli Roth? And I'll tell you what... It escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It did. And uh, a lot of really polarizing comments. You had to keep your head on a swivel. Let me tell you that right now. Because uh, it, a lot of polarizing comments about Eli Roth. I, yeah. am, I am not a fan, really. I mean, Hostel 2, okay, that seems to be the one that gets the most love. But anyway, Green Inferno is the latest. Uh, we didn't care for it. No, we did not. You know, um, he's making basically, you know, uh, sort of the jungle cannibal movie that was kind of, uh, popular is the wrong word for it, but yeah. they, you know, there was a... Infamous, a, maybe? Yeah, there was a, a group of them that came out, mostly Italian filmmakers in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, Ruggiero Diodato's infamous Cannibal Holocaust, probably yeah. the most famous of them. 
And he's revisiting that subgenre, which, you know, has has been left alone for many a year. And the thing is that, it, you know, it's not it's not a great area to sort of wade into. And, and a lot of it, it's not just that it's so unpleasant. It just didn't date well. It just doesn't date well. It doesn't update well. But the other thing, the main thing for me is that what they used to do was simply push the envelope to the most extreme as far as you can push it. As a lot of people know, actually, for Cannibal Holocaust, they killed a number of animals, including a giant tortoise on screen. I mean, they just were and pushing it as far as they there's could. There's a legendary story that he had to produce the one actress in court to yeah. prove she was still alive. Yeah. The thing about this is that you can't do those things anymore, and he doesn't do those things anymore. So if, you, if you're not really familiar with sort of the jungle cannibal genre, you probably will be sort of grossed out by this, and maybe that's what you're looking for. But if you are familiar with it, it's like neutered. It's like a neutered version. And so I'm not really sure the point. It's not scary. It's gross, but it's not gross enough. It's just not very good. Yeah, if you're a fan of that, and some people are, because I saw some comments from the people that saw that were at the same screening we were last night, that, that it's fun for them. They're like, okay, you know, if that's your bag. I don't find it scary or thrilling at all. <laughs> There's a lot of, you know, body chopping up and yeah. entrails and skinning alive and all that stuff and cannibalism. I didn't find it worthwhile at all. The acting yeah, is not. atrocious. The directing's bad. The, really, the production elements were kind of uh, weak as far as I thought. And I just, to me, just nothing at all worthwhile. But if you're, you know, if, if you're a fan of that and, and you know, you know Eli I think Roth, also go for it. Both of us were a little baffled by the humor in it. Yeah, the humor and the attempt at social commentary, uh, it was it was pretty weak. Um, just all in all, and I think also bordered on some misogyny. Yeah, uh, certainly. Uh, just kind ethnocentric. of ethnocentric. Yeah, it's just you know, it's just yeah, kind of kind of a mess. So not not uh, thumbs up by any means from us. But if you want to check it out, if you're a fan, it's Eli Roth's latest Green Inferno in the theaters this weekend. All right, so it's twins. It's all about the twins. Joy, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, I know you've been doing your homework. You've seen. You've had to. You've had to throw yourself into this. And uh, <laughs> how did you feel about the entire assignment? You know, it's really nice to binge watch horror movies on a beautiful sunny day. I know that, but it's a good time. I like that. I like the enthusiasm, and uh, we're going to jump in uh, one that's pretty pretty famous. I think it might jump to a lot of people, a lot of horror fans uh, top of mind when mm-hmm. you when you talk about the uh, the twin movies, and that is from 1982. It's Basket Case. What is the secret Dwayne is hiding in the basket? What's in the basket? Easter eggs? What's in the basket? My brother. Open it, if you dare. (laughs) Basket case. This movie is just fun. I mean, it's just fun. It's not good. It's not well done. It's not well produced, you know, but it's just fun. And the director, Frank Henenlotter, right? He he also did Frank and Hooker. Same thing. It's not a good movie, but it's just fun. I dare you not to find that movie fun. And brain damage. I mean, he just he's got a, a knack for uh, low budget horror comedies. And Basket Case is my favorite of the three, probably because it's about twins um and belial what a great name is that belial in the basket and uh you know his uh his super uh clean cut wholesome recently unjoined twin brother Dwayne, and they go to this seedy motel in, in new york and they're basically it's a, they're on a vengeance trek they're going to find the doctor and they're going to try to get back together and belial is just mad and he's killing people he's just crawling out of his basket and killing people but Dwayne falls in love so that's problematic you know and it's it's a pretty simple storyline uh the the effects are terrible i mean it's it's just a silly film but it's pretty gory and bloody and it's actually at times kind of effective you're like oh don't go in there with the laundry what are you doing and just like you and joy they're not identical twins no uh, we but, kept Joy in a basket for years. <laughs> <laughs> Tried to. <laughs> yeah, and this one for me, it has, 
it reminded me of um, Reanimator, just yeah. in the tone. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I can see that. Yeah, and I think I remember at the time because '82, I was uh, I think junior in high school, and I remember at the time everybody the buzz was to get a look at it, to get a look <laughs> at the monster inside the box. You know what he looked like. That was the big thing, you know, back then. And uh, and I'm with you. The name is the name is cool. Of course, you see it today, and you think of what's in the box. What's in the box? Oh yeah, because they're talking about what's in the basket. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, basket case. You wouldn't call it a horror comedy, but it has comedic elements. I think. Oh, I think it's funny. Would you call it a straight out horror comedy? I think so. Yeah. Would you really? Okay. I think actually, I think all of all of his films are comedies. It's gross, certainly. <laughs> and in, I think in certain instances, it's just funny because it's it's just a sort of so badly done yeah but it's not one of those that you're, it's painful to watch it's it's he he has quite a style given the parameters that he's working under yeah i i mean i think it's incredibly enjoyable okay um you probably enjoyed a little bit more than i did but that's <laughs> you know that's usual one that you wanted to want to talk about in relation to this uh that we that we loved Right was Twin Falls, Idaho. Yeah, well, it's just one of those the uh, you know the conjoined twin idea, the Siamese yeah. twin idea, and Qu- Twin Falls, Idaho is not a horror film. It is creepy. You know, it came out in '99, and is it Mark and Michael Polish yeah. are actual twins, and they wrote and directed this film, and they play Siamese twins, and it's just it's it's sad. It's kind of goth. You know what I mean? I mean, it's not a horror film. They're in this small town, and they're going to go get the surgery, and one of the two twins is quite ill, which is why they're going to try to have the surgery, and I, and I think it it plays on a lot of the same anxieties that. Well, actually, most horror films that involve twins play on the separation anxiety. Certainly, the conjoined twin idea does. But I, it's just lovely, really. I mean, it's weird in the best sort of 90s indie movie weird way. Yeah. It's got a very uh, almost surreal atmosphere mm-hmm. to it. It's got crazy-eyed Leslie Ann Warren oh, yeah. in there as well. And uh, yeah, we enjoyed it. It was It's very, you know, a subtle... It's mysterious. It is. And, uh, kind of sweet, actually. Yeah, but, but really sweet good. Sweet love story. And you just threw at me some trivia the, uh, just, just last night about one of these guys, one of the actual <laughs> twins, is married now to... Kate Bosworth. Kate Bosworth. Yeah. Had no idea. <laughs> and are they still working in, in films, the yeah, twins? Are yeah, yeah. Actually, one of the two of them stars in this god-awful movie I just saw called Some Kind of Hate. Oh, okay. And I do remember thinking to myself, "What is he doing in this? I don't even. What What are you doing here?" But yeah, so there it's was. not a not a horror film, but we enjoyed Twin Falls, Idaho, and of course we have a, a long history with American Horror Story. Right, it's like the only TV show we've ever watched. I mean, we <laughs> haven't watched a TV show in years, but we watched well, that, and we did podcasts about it for a while. Yeah, we used to. Uh, and they had just in the uh, in the Freak Show uh, s- series, uh, they had the uh, no, yeah conjoined twins, conjoined yeah. twins, twins, yeah. But it was more of a just a body with two heads, really. Yeah, a bit. Yeah, Sarah, Sarah Paulson. Paulson, who's always great. Yeah, and it was just you know I think that it's it's impressive when you can one person can define two separate characters that that still are obviously dependent on each other. I mean they're they're separate, but they're you know what I mean. Like she didn't create two weirdos that you can't understand. I mean they're separate characters, but they act like sisters, and they're just like sisters who are stuck together and can never get away from each other. I just think she did a great job. We're we gonna watch the new. The new American Horror Story? We haven't decided yet. I don't think uh, Jessica Lange is on it. I know. That's a disappointment. Uh, anyway, we're all, that was all kind of in the same vein of our, our number five movie, which is Basket Case from 1982. But we're moving on. To another one. Is you see what happens when you split up conjoined twins. From, Problems. From 1973. It's Brian De Palma's Sisters. Sisters. They were once one in body and perhaps one in mind. Danielle and Dominique. One loving. One hating, one innocent, the other... Remember... Freak! 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 Freak!
hath joined together, let no man cut asunder. That's right. So this is Margot Kidder at her best, I think. She was sporting a French-Canadian accent <laughs> and... Uh, it was. I think it was a fun movie. You know, I mean, it's. It was weird. It has a lot of De Palma split screening in it, and um, you know, it's like you're trying to figure out what the heck is going on and realize there's something amiss uh, from the get go. You know, it's very creepy. There's a lot of creepy characters in it. Uh, you kind of know where it's. I felt like I kind of knew where it was going, but um, you don't quite know how it's going to get there. Yeah, it's funny. This was the first uh, De Palma movie where his obsessions started to show. You know, prior to this movie, he really hadn't done a, a thriller or, or a horror film yet. And this is really the first one. And, you know, you can see elements in this movie that he carries out for really most of the rest of his career. This is the first one where you just really see the I love Hitchcock. It's just all <laughs> over this movie, the score and the, you know, the split screen. And then um, it's also, you know, and as he would go on. I think that he developed a, a style that I, I he indulged something that I don't particularly care for, which is really sexualizing violence, which to me is more sort of an Italian influence that sort of fed into the um, Hitchcock love. But but in this one, I think it's it's a, it's a bit prior to that. I mean, there's sex going on and it ends up in death, but it's it's different. It's it's different than his other movies. Um and there's also, yeah, there's like the weird medical angle and, and it's, you know, it's a murder mystery. So it, it's, I mean, there are clues and I, I mean, it's, it's not a great movie, but he's got a style and he's got talent in the cast and it, it holds together. I think it's aged well. Well, and that's 1973. So that's how early in De Palma's uh, film resume was this? It was, it, it was pretty early. He's got some shorts prior to that and he's got one or two um, TV movies uh, and maybe a feature, but nothing, you know, nothing anybody had ever really seen. This was the one that, that this was the one that got him Carrie. This is the film that got him, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the green light to direct Carrie. So mm-hmm. it was a big deal. Well, and I think you're you're being more polite there than a lot of people have been over the course of De Palma's career, just saying it's Hitchcock love. I mean, he's been accused outright of just ripping Hitchcock off left and right. Yeah, I, I mean, yes, but you know, I mean, we just talked about Eli Roth, and that's he's made a career of the same thing. It <laughs> yeah. just he just picks and chooses different people each yeah. time. Yeah, that's fair, fair point. Well, sisters from 1973. Now, when you talk about sisters and twins in horror, a lot of people's, uh, including mine, uh, idea goes right to uh, the twins in The Shining. They're the best set. There's no question about it. And, and I'm going to tell you, the only reason The Shining isn't on this list is because the film is not about them, right? Every movie on this list is about the twins. The fact that they are twins is the point of the film. So otherwise, clearly, clearly, The Shining is a superior movie to anything else on this list. <laughs> yeah. And they're also the best twins. They're super creepy. You know, they're little kids. They're trying to lure another little kid on. I think they just want his awesome big wheel, I think. And also... <laughs> Correct me if you think I'm wrong, Joy. They look the most like Joy and me, and I'm pretty sure we used to have that dress. They do look the most like us, though. I think I kind of look like Margot Kidder a little bit. but <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I think the thing about The Shining is that is the best movie, and they are the creepiest, but in all of the other movies, the twins are the mystery. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's, that's the whole thing, trying to figure this whole thing out. And uh, I was thinking about that, the scene with the twins in The Shining, and it just wouldn't have been as... There's something inherently creepy about twins. And so it wouldn't have been as creepy if it was just one kid luring Danny. Right. You know? No. It needed to be creepy twins. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, and there was somebody that sounded an awful lot like me just last week that said twins were inherently creepy. <laughs> and you jumped down my throat. <laughs> you can't yeah. say it. She can say it. We're twins. We can say it. You can't say it. True. We have to set these guidelines, and I'm <laughs> feeling at a disadvantage. But, uh, yeah, that's because I brought that up when we were assembling this list, whether that did qualify as a twins movie, because they're such an iconic part of that movie. Oh, yeah. And did you see, I, I know that was making the rounds on the internet here a few months ago, maybe last year, where they had a reunion and a picture of those, uh, those women today. Yeah. It was a hoot just to see them now. They're just grinning, just smiling, <laughs> getting together, you know, back at the reunion. Very, very cool. I'd love to get to know them. <laughs> of course, Shining, very well known, but one that I hadn't heard of that you also threw in here uh, under the uh, heading of Sisters was called Seconds Apart. Yeah, you know what? It's, uh, it's two boys. Uh, it's twin boys. It's not a great movie. It, it goes sort of Twilight Zone-y. You remember the, the, like the Twilight Zone movie, the episode that has Bart Simpson in it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the voice of Bart Simpson. Right, you're right, talking, right. Yeah, in the movie, The Twilight Zone. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's the one where whatever the evil person thinks happens. Yeah. So this is, this is basically more or less the same plot, except the evil person is a set of twins, and they're uh, uh, little boys, and, uh, and Orlando Jones is the police officer who's trying to figure out what's going on, and you're just doomed, because not only are they creepy twins with really bad intentions, but they can just make things happen with their minds. So it's not a great movie, but it's creepy. It is, especially when you see what happened to their parents. I mean, you know, it's effective in the same way that that Twilight Zone episode is effective. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's a little creepy and weird. But no Bart Simpson. No. Okay. Uh, Because then you'd have had me. You'd have had me with Bart Simpson. (laughs) Well, that's, uh, yeah, I hadn't heard of that one, uh, Seconds Apart, from 2011. But uh, going on to number three, one that is uh, very well known. And we talked about just a couple of of episodes ago. uh, Medical horror. Medical horror, yeah, from 1988. Cronenberg's Dead Ringers. By every scientific measure, they are absolutely the same. They share everything. You haven't had any experience until I've had it too. Doctor, you've cured me. You mean to say there's two of them? They're twins, dear. For working on mutant women. Radical technology was required. Something radical is definitely required. Dead ringers. Separation can be a, a terrifying thing. Is part of Cronenberg's uh, long history of body image issues, body horrors. Right there, just Cronenberg plus Jeremy Irons equals yes, please. <laughs> I, I mean, I love those two, and yeah. you know, uh, it's and they're they're gynecologists, which we mentioned the last time is that Cronenberg has said he doesn't consider this a horror movie, and the fact that he made them mentally deteriorating gynecologists who eventually create their own instruments. No, he's wrong. This is a horror movie, <laughs> and Jeremy Irons just does such a beautiful job of of creating two completely different characters who have a relation you know what i mean who ha- it's like he he created a character and another character and a relationship and he understood the relationship enough that his, he could like express the relationship against himself i mean it's really uh, people who can play twins two different characters in the same scene on the, it's 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 impressive and he does a great job and uh and then as their sort of descent into madness it's like is it starts off you know their names are elliot and beverly and right there it's like the weak one is named beverly you're like yeah. oh beverly and then as one deteriorates the other almost sympathetically deteriorates as well it's like he can't keep him well and he would rather just go into craziness with with his brother than then try to survive without him. Well, twins have that connection, do they not? Yeah. You feel pain across the miles when Joy stubs her toe, don't you? 
I've become more crazy as hope has just out of <laughs> over the years. <laughs> you know, the thing that intrigued me about it, I thought Jeremy Irons was amazing in it. And just the, the whole strangeness about the love interest who was a mutant, that because they were gynecologists, they realized that she was not built correctly as a woman and that they had the artist make, uh, or um, I think Beverly had the artist make um, gynecological instruments to be able to work on her. Just this whole perverse, crazy, um, you know, subplot about this um, kind of mutant woman that they were both kind of vying for really stuck with me. Just the strangeness of the whole world that he made in that movie. Yeah, that's, I mean, Cronenberg is a freak, isn't he? And I mean that in the best possible way. <laughs> I knew you that know, was coming. He's got such a fixation with just corporeal horror and you just see you know, like the human body and he looks at it in such a, well, a medical way and mm-hmm. in a way that's different than other filmmakers, I yeah, think. Very clinical. Well, I- does it that way it almost seems normal like it's almost believable which makes it more horrifying like it's not so strange the way he he tackles it makes it seem you know feasible and so that seems more horrifying yeah i could see that and the thing about jeremy irons we were just talking about you know who who else can who else has pulled this off and i was not familiar with um army hammer prior to the social network and he plays the winklevi and honest to god when they came up for the oscar and there was just one of him i was like wait a minute where like he it's not a huge part but it's pretty big and he really convincingly plays two different people he really does it's impressive it was extremely impressive i said i didn't i wasn't familiar with the actor at the time either and i thought it was twins uh, none of us have seen it yet, but we're all eager to see Legend because Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. If anybody can pull it off, it's Tom Hardy. Well, you're not a kidding. And when does that come out? Is that this year? November. Okay, good. So we're looking forward to that from Legend. So Dead Ringers was number three, and that moves it up to one of our one of our favorites here from just a couple of months ago. And at least it, it's just coming out this weekend here in Columbus, correct? Yep. yep. And uh, it's Good Night, Mommy. This was a very stylish movie, beautiful to look at, um, very creepy, and uh, just has you wondering what the hell is going on. No one is normal. No one is acting like uh, as they should. So you just really are you're in it till the end to figure out what the heck is going on. And it's just really beautiful and creepy and just gets under your skin. It does, you yeah. know. It's 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 a gorgeous, uh, you know. It's Austrian countryside, and it's just you know this bucolic farm, and and you see these little boys, and they're like on a trampoline in the rain, or they're and you're like, and then you realize that the the mom is actually not home at the like during the whole beginning. You're like, what? Why are these boys home alone? And then when the mom comes home, she's just had plastic surgery on her face, and so her face is all bandaged up, and the boys convince themselves that she's not really their mother, and and the thing about it is that yeah, she's. She's not right. Uh, and you don't know why. And you think maybe she's maybe she's not their mother. And then it just spirals into these really weird directions. And even if you think you know where it's going, y- you really don't. You don't truly. And uh, and and uh, it just packs a wallop by the end. Yeah. And it has some great visual pieces. Uh, you know, when the boys put those masks on, there is these large insects involved. Yeah, What is the deal with and those? It, and it's very, you know, they're, they're very isolated. There's not many other people in this movie at all. They're out. They're way out. 
and as you said, the, the, the countryside, the landscape visuals are great. Uh, the direction is, is very, you know, very flowing, very poetic almost at times. And, uh, you know, we don't want to give away too much here because it's just coming out. But I'll tell you, I've had more people come up to me and ask me about, have you seen, ask me about this movie. This really has a groundswell of interest in this movie. And I'm hoping that that really translates to some nice box office for it because it seems to me like a lot of people are really itching to see it. Yeah, and uh, as well they should. I mean, you just don't get a, a you know really great horror movie that often. I think it has a great trailer. I mean, it really, as soon as I saw the trailer, I couldn't wait to see the movie. And I think that when you see the movie, the soundtrack is so creepy and so stark, and it's next to this otherwise beautiful scene that it's tipping you off, that it's not you're not you don't know what's going on that it's not what it looks like um so there's just this menacing feeling of something not right from the get-go even though it looks lovely and yeah the mom gets home and she never quite acts like a mother which is a very creepy jarring thing you know like for a mother to just not be particularly loving or caring and you don't quite know who's mad or what's up um and you just I kept flip-flopping through the whole thing, trying to figure out which one of them was off and which one of them was good. Very effective. And the two boys, uh, Lucas and Elias Schwartz, are great. They really are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and they're very cat-like, I thought. Like, they didn't move like regular kids. Like, there was just something otherworldly about them. And I love the way it was shot because one would show up in a doorway and then, like, a second later, the other one would. Like, it was just really kind of inhuman the way they were moving, which just added to the tension and just, you know, not knowing what was coming, what was next. That's a good point. And also, it, there's not a whole lot much else we can say because we don't want to give away too many spoilers, just that uh, it's well worth seeing because it's number two on our list, Goodnight Mommy. And uh, that leads up to number one, one that I haven't seen, so you'll clue me in. And this goes all the way back to 1972 for The Other. The generations were rich with love and the most beloved of all were the twins. For the fairies of New England, terrible things began to happen that summer. Tell me, what is it like? There have been all the others. Now there is the other. another one you don't want to say too much about um and it's another one that is just beautiful to look at it was directed by robert mulligan who directed to kill a mockingbird and and he he enlists kind of this a lot of the same it's black and white as well a lot of the same rural landscape sort of hometown homey beautiful and and you know good hard work and folk and you know it just actually very similar to good night mommy you know there's something off Something about this is not right. And one of the twin boys is very worried about his brother because his brother keeps getting both of them into a lot of trouble. And the matriarch of the family, she's constantly worried about the twin who's telling on his brother. And her daughter, his mother, is in some sort of a catatonic yet lucid state in a bedroom because her husband, the twin's father, is dead and... So is a baby brother, and now so is the farmhand, and now so is the neighbor across the street. And, you know, it's like, and as the body count rises, this farm family, they just spend the whole time still just be like, you know, there's still a 
you know, there's still a cow to be milked. There's still a pie in the oven. They're just like move forward and survive and thrive. And, and, and the whole movie is very much like, or stop and ask yourself, what in the hell is going on? It's, you know, I just think that it, it makes a really great statement about sort of uh, sort of the American work ethic and, you know what I mean, like that down-home pride and, and, and that, that there is something beneath the surface in this area that nobody is checking out and they need to. And it's great performances, and it's just a gorgeous movie. And John Ritter, a young John Ritter, is dating mm-hmm. uh, one of the sisters in the household, which is just weird. You're just watching it wrong and like, oh, it's John Ritter. Uh, how can he do that when he's pretending to be gay? <laughs> Oh, wait, with something else. <laughs> it's so wholesome. That's what's creepy to me about it is that it's just these clean cut, hardworking, like Midwestern American, you know, lovely people. And all of this weird stuff is going on and they're not really addressing it. But, you know, it just the body count just increases through this movie and you can't figure out what the heck is going on. And the wholesomeness, I think even more than Goodnight Mommy, which was gorgeous, but it wasn't really ever wholesome. Right. You know, but I, I, it looked like it was the Midwest and just this like lovely farm family, very close, very loving, this grandmother, you know, who's very caring. And it, it just added to like what is happening. You know, it just made it seem all the more tragic as it continued I think it, it, kind of similar to a movie that I just love uh, called The Reflecting Skin, where they use this sheen of like, you know, bucolic beauty and wholesomeness to just get at the concept of the unwholesomeness underneath that you're just not really paying attention to. And, uh, and it does. It's, it's like off-putting. It's like unsettling. And in, in doing some research, looking up this movie, I noticed uh, a lot of love uh, for the uh, two brothers, the actors that play the twins. They're great. And it's so often it's the kids in the movie, especially I would say like in the 70s and 80s, you know, they weren't strong performances. And it kind of like there's a, you know, the movie, The Bad Seed, a famous movie, The Bad Seed, one of the early like evil children movies, which is a fun movie and actually very subversive. But the lead performance is so grating that you just can't take it seriously. Where, in, in, you know, in this case, I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce their last name is Chris and Chris and Martin Yudvarnaki. They're just really wonderful. And they have, uh, unlike the kids, unlike the boys in Goodnight Mommy, these kids are like stout German ancestry, again, just wholesome farm kids. And they've got, and it gives them a sort of a sense of innocence about them when they're moving around. And you just, you worry for them that what's happening at the farm and what are you sort of getting around and what are you getting into and what's going to happen to you? And, and, you know, where's Grandma Uda? Where's Grandma Uda? Why isn't she bringing you in from the barn right now. It's, um, it just does a great job. They're constantly running. Like that's the thing that struck me the whole beginning. They're just endlessly running from one thing to another and going fishing and running and getting stuff. And they just seem like regular boys. They're freckle faced, you know, you, you just can't imagine what's going on. Well, definitely, uh, definitely effective. So it clocks in at number one on our best twins in horror back to 1972. Got to dig that up. I think I do, too, uh, for the other. And that looks ahead to uh, to next week, which is going to be Slashers, which we need your votes. Keep them coming. We've got some already. Been getting them on Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, we're at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. And hit up the hashtag Best Slashers and let us know what your favorite Slashers in horror. You got one, Joy? I think Nightmare on Elm Street is great. Okay, Freddie. Um, it is a good yeah. one. 
All right, but so the, we'll get get a lot of votes for that, and I'm sure there'll be more coming. But it's uh, best slashers. Hit us up on Twitter, and uh, and also we've got Kiwi Horror down the line. We've got Stephen King. Uh, we're going to get into a little more deeply about Stephen King's uh, resume on uh, on a future podcast. And also we want to give another uh, another plug for the next edition of Fright Club Live, which is coming up on October the 14th, Gateway Film Center here uh, in Columbus. And we're going to do the podcast live in front of a studio audience. That's right. First time we're going to we're going to record it right there before we watch the absolutely great Kiwi movie Housebound, yeah. which I know Joy loves. I love that movie. And it's it's even more fun to see uh, with a crowd. So we're looking forward to uh, everybody coming out and taking part in this because we're going to be live without a net recording our <laughs> podcast. So again, that's October fourteenth. Hope to see you there. And also, we've got our uh, usual, our yearly Halloween uh, movie a day countdown coming up. Hope. Sorry, right. it's going to start on MadWolf.com October the first. Obviously, we're going to throw a new, another great horror movie at you just for your consideration. If you're just like tooling around, oh, it's Tuesday in October. What am I going to watch? I know I'm going to check out MadWolf.com and see what they tell me to watch. So keep the comments coming, MadWolf on Twitter. Joy, you're on Twitter. What's your what's your handle? Joy Madden VT. Vermont. She's a Vermonster. Representing, and uh, we've got the uh, Golden Spiral Media uh, buddy uh, Corey Metcalf. Uh, senior Aussie correspondent. Senior or Aussie correspondent. We're going to be uh, helping him out with his triple cast coming up here soon. Yeah, right? the the whole month of October, three weeks in October, Woo! and we're going to talk about crazy slasher sequels. Slasher's getting some love. Yeah, here on uh, cross promoting with the Golden Spiral Media podcast. Well, Corey is going to help us do our slasher podcast. He's going to co-host our slasher podcast, and we're going to do likewise with his. It all fits together. It does all right. Well, Joy, we appreciate it. Any last words? Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Thanks for joining, Joy. Smooch the girls for us. We will. Next week, best slashers. And until then... I'm Hope Madden. And I'm George Wolf. This is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay frightful, my friends. Hello,